Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, uh, take you up until noon here today. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Well, early in the program, we're going to take a look back. Uh, Roshan Corporation sponsors our look back at some of the better teams to have played in the state of Iowa in the 2003 Hawkeye football team. A New Year's Day bowl winner. It was the first one since the 1950s for Iowa football. You can certainly argue the merits of an Outback Bowl in comparison to (laughs) some of the other ones, but it was a pretty good Florida team. Iowa went down there, won that one, and capped off a back-to-back 10-win season after doing it in 2002. A fun year. A much different team, though, than the 2002 team, yep. the way that they Still were Still had some dudes, but mm-hmm. uh, a different to, a different team, no doubt about that. So we'll get into that group. Tom Kakert at 1025 oh, will opine on that as well. Uh, get to pick Tom's brain on what he's hearing, if anything. Alex Halstead at 1045 uh, on Iowa State. Uh, the Big 12 Commissioner, Bob Bullsby, spoke this morning. Chip Brown. Do you ever have Chip Brown on? Chip Brown from... Oh, a long time ago. Orange Bloods? Was Orange that the Bloods. old site? OrangeBloods.com, part of Rivals. He yeah. was uh, such a... Um a go-to for a lot of media people when uh, 2009, when it looked as though the Big 12 was going to implode, and Chip Brown seemingly, uh, well, look, at Texas called a lot of shots, and Chip Brown was covering Texas. But the reason I bring him up on the program, he had Bob Bullsby on his show this morning, which I assume he does in Austin. I'm not mm-hmm. sure actually where he does it, but in the state of Texas. Uh, and, and Bob Bullsby had some interesting comments, and he seemingly has done a 180 on this one, Trent, because it wasn't too many weeks ago that Bob Bullsby was... No, no, uh, no students, no football, no students, no sports. Uh, today, his quote was, uh, Bob Bullsby just told the, I'll give the radio station a shout out, 1300 The Zone, no vaccine or therapeutic likely before football season. So, quotes, we're going to have to find a way to coexist with the disease. This is going to be very expensive to disinfect and make sure game situations are as safe as possible. Game situations coexisting with the disease. Sounds like Mr. Bullsby is on board with football, um, you know, assuming that they can put all the safeguards in place to conduct such sport. So be it. I'm ready for it. And thank God for the SEC. Uh, the They're SEC. really moving forward on this. They are. They're uh-huh. pushing Although forward. Although Paul Feinbob, Trent, uh, who is Mr. SEC, he is, yep. he's kind of... Yeah. Tap the brakes a little bit here. I'm not buying it. Prove it and I'll buy some type of thing from uh, from Paul Feinbaum. But the SEC is seemingly um, as ahead of any of the other conferences, maybe. The differences between them and the Pac-12 are so stark. And, no, that's and it a good point. It shouldn't come as a surprise when you just look at the demographics of each of those areas and, and the way they lean on things, the importance Pac-12 football just doesn't matter. We see that in terms of their television network in comparison to what the SEC is. As Bullsby said, there's not going to be a vaccine by football. That's, but uh, that's his opinion, yeah, that we, there won't be. We are talking I, about, I believe he's right. <laughs> we are talking about corporations. We're talking about billion-dollar entities here with the NCAA. And to think that they're going to shut it down. Should they? You can make that argument. That's not what the argument here is about, though. But we're talking about 
millions upon millions of dollars, upwards of billions of dollars mm-hmm. on a yearly basis that comes through. And to think that these athletic departments, that these conferences are just going to say, nah, I, I, don't, I just don't think it's right. Follow the money. What's the old line? Always follow the money. Mm-hmm. I think that's the case right here. The SEC is pushing through. The Big 12 is going to push through. The Big 10 is going to find a way. Is it different here than it is in New Jersey and Rutgers? Yeah, it is. But that is the, what it is, the huge difference between the two. You're going to find a way. They're student-athletes. They're going to give them, I'm sure, the decision on their own. Nobody's going to be forced to play, but they're going to find a way to get football this fall. I believe you're right, Trent. I, I do, and it'll be interesting in what form that it takes as far as uh, fans in, in stadiums. Uh, will they allow some in? Will this be family members only? Mm-hmm. Remains to be seen. But I'm, I'm like you, I'm convinced that uh, that they're going to do their damnedest to play because the football uh, makes means so much to athletic budgets uh, throughout the landscape of college sports, quite frankly. So uh, Chip Brown had Bob Bowlesby on today. We'll get into that with Alex Halstead, 1045. Uh, we'll hear Kim Reynolds' press conference today. I'm not sure how long she's going to continue to do these, but we've made a commitment. We'll live up to it. Uh, that as long as she does, uh, we are going to continue continue to air them uh, at uh, 11 o'clock here uh, in the morning at 1130 Jeff Lance who you some of the audience may know uh, Jeff Lance spent a long time in Des Moines working for the Iowa Cubs he really has worked his way through baseball and started uh, as um, as the media relations person for the Iowa Cubs this is back in the 90s then parlayed that into a gig with the Baltimore Orioles and he was the head of media relations for a long time with the Baltimore Orioles before he's moved on from Major League Baseball and has a really good gig with Minor League Baseball. He's the Senior Director, Communications for Minor League Baseball. Uh, he's based in Florida. He's an Iowa guy. I believe he's a University of Iowa graduate, I believe, uh, that he graduated from um, uh, from the University of Iowa. But nonetheless, uh, we'll talk to Jeff Lance at 11.35. Buster Olney's piece today at ESPN.com. He does not expect minor league baseball in any fashion to happen this year. He thinks the he thinks MLB will play, but do not hold out hope was uh, reading between the lines for Buster Olney. In fact, he said as much that he does not expect, you have to read between the lines, mm-hmm. you, he does not expect minor leagues uh, to conduct baseball this year. So we'll pick Jeff Lance's brain because that was one of the questions that we've asked since we saw the or, or read about the, uh, the proposal, perhaps. Um, how, how Major League Baseball is going to come back, 30-man rosters with a 20-man taxi squad. Well, that taxi squad's going to be made up of AAA, you would think. That's going to be certainly the vast majority of every team. Some non-roster invitees, mm-hmm. I guess, will stick around on that squad. I mean, I don't know if that's the case or not. Can they? Um, well, we've never been in these circumstances, right. so I guess we're writing the rules as we go. But So what does that mean? I mean, the AAA's up with the big club. Does that mean we get, you know, here downtown uh, Des Moines, do we get the... Um, the the crew from Tennessee that normally would be in double A. I just don't know. So maybe Jeff Lance will uh shed some light on that. He's gonna join us at eleven thirty five. Speaking of baseball, did you see there was a story that came out yesterday with the Cubs and with the uh the ownership group and basically saying, you know, seventy percent of our revenue comes from fans in the stands. Yet there was a story from just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was about thirty percent. Right. But how different those numbers change. Uh-huh. I, I don't think they change in three years that quickly? I wouldn't think so either. Um, but uh, opening up the books, maybe a little bit different than yeah. people are anticipating. That's a good point, because they've been reluctant to do that. Uh-huh. But now it, that they are, and 
those books are going to be cooked just a little bit. I would think, yeah, seventy yeah. percent. Well, look, Wrigley derives a ton of revenue. Sure. they've taken over is what they've done. Mm-hmm. Wrigleyville, they own it for God's sakes. You know, they own a bunch of them, uh, rooftops and uh, the bars around it. They've built a hotel, as we mm-hmm. know now. I've not been in the last couple of years since it's been uh, redone, um, but. Look, the, it was, it's wise on their part. Churchill Downs did the same thing. The the dilapidated, rundown area that was around Churchill Downs, they bought all those houses, knocked them all down, and now they own blocks surrounding the racetrack. Brilliant idea. It's the way that things certainly have changed. Absolutely. You've, have you been to Fenway Park? I never have. Never okay. been to Boston. Uh, Camden Yards is kind of the same way. They've got a bunch of bars on the outs. But, but Fenway Park, I'm not sure what outfield wall it would be it's not it's not the monster so maybe it's the the right field line there's a whole bunch of like novelty shops and restaurants mm. and bars i don't know how much the uh the ownership group of the red sox owns but that's clearly the way to go about it i mean capitalize on it yeah absolutely and this is you know you mentioned camden yards when they were became the first organization to go with the old school feel of the building and we got away from the cookie cutters mm-hmm. of the 60s and 70s and into the, the 80s. The Phillies, the Pirates, the Reds. You've been to one, you've been to them all. Yes, Bush Stadium. The Bush Stadium. One Although before with Bush this Stadium, one. the original Bush Stadium, I don't recall ever being in a ballpark where you had more leg room. Oh, really? Oh, it was unbelievable. I was Bush. little when I went there, so it didn't matter to me. No, I mean, the, the row in front of you seemingly was like... I. I thought well, then you're costing yourself some money. You should have, you know, put some another row in here. Um, I mean, I wasn't complaining by any means, but no. that's what I remember about Bush. Well, a couple of things about Bush, but um, yeah, the, the, the old ballparks. You've been to one. You've been to them mm-hmm. all in a lot of cases, right? Not the case anymore. No, and, and Camden Yards was the first, as you mentioned. Now maybe maybe the the Ricketts family. It is seventy percent of the money when you throw in the hotel and everything maybe. else of what they bring in, which but not which, Cubs only. No, 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 that no. can't be right. No, they what? What did the Ricketts own? They own a big um, uh, Ameritrade. Ameritrade, that's what it is. Yeah, I was going to say a brokerage firm, um, but they yeah. They, and, and look, there's a gov, there's a Ricketts that's the governor of Nebraska. And excuse my political ignorance, but I'm guessing that that's probably the same family. I mean, I guess I don't know that, but I would. I'm just going to assume that, anyways. Uh, so we will talk to Jeff Lance. I look forward to talking to uh, Jeff at about uh, 11:45 or 11:35 or thereabouts, and pick his brain. Buster only today. ESPN.com does not believe minor league baseball will be back at uh, in any form. So we will. Uh, talk to Jeff Lance about that and other things. And then, as we always do on Fridays, we recap our restaurant radio, which is going to uh, drop back to once a week uh, starting next week. It's just um, seemingly, Trent, we've run out of all the restaurants that want to come on mm-hmm. with us. So there's a still, I just don't think that, um, and then we're starting to get back to sports a little bit, too. Right. And restaurants yep. are being given the green light uh, here as of today, um, as Governor Reynolds opened up the state. And there, there's a, like, not all of them. Uh, everyone's all the restaurant owners are going to make their own decision but if they want to open up they've been given the okay to do that let's get joe in here he wants to chime in and he's welcome to do so hey joe hey morning happy friday to y'all and to you sir you're talking about uh wrigleyville whatnot well i'm I'm biased of course i'm a cardinal fan but have you ever been a ballpark village yes it's unbelievable what what they're doing that if you guys any of the listeners want to look at something just google the phases it's going to be a city within a city, and uh, the DeWitt family actually owns all that and the real estate rights to their 40-story condo that's going to overlook the stadium. It's, I mean, it's, it's really? 
their idea behind it, I think, is kind of like the Las Vegas city center where it's a city inside of the mm-hmm. city. But this is going to be, I think they're on phase three right now, but I think there's like eight total phases. When it's done, you're not going to need to go anywhere else. You can live down there and not go anywhere else. Interesting. I didn't know that the, the plans yeah. for that. Hey, Joe, before we let you go, uh, a Cardinal fan, who do you fear in the NL Central once we get back to playing games? Is Are you, are you looking at the Reds maybe a little bit differently than you have in the last couple of years? Okay, I'll tell you what, and I hate the Reds. Like, it goes back to the Brandon Phillips, Johnny Cueto thing. There's okay. The only thing I hate sports <laughs> yeah. is the Reds. Uh, yeah, the Reds are the team I fear. The, we didn't do much. The Cubs didn't do much. Right. The Brewers, they're pitching suspect, and the management's horrible. But the Reds, the Reds loaded up. Yep. You, you got Votto. Votto's the only guy in the world that can take an 0-2 count and work a walk out of it every time. <laughs> He's a hell of a player. Add Mustakas yep. and add the add the pitching. It, yeah, I hope they don't. Ha- I hope they realign the division this year. That way, we don't have to face it. <laughs> yeah, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, and uh, Trevor Bauer is their one, two, three. Wait, yeah. Miley's on that staff. And, and uh, you know what? Hey, if if, uh, if hockey doesn't resume, us Blues are Stanley Cup champs again. And well, hang on a second. I guess uh, technically you are. Yeah, right? yeah, technically you are. There's another team in that division that's playing as well as anybody, and watch out for them, baby, because the Jets, if they resume, they are going to soar. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. See you, Joe. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you chiming in. All right, let's get to the, uh, the hottest team 70 days ago, huh? Yeah, they'd won four straight. Okay. Uh, let's get into the 2003 Iowa football team, Trent. You, yeah. um, your memory's better than mine. Here's what I remember about it, and, and I hope I'm right. Wasn't this the era of the one running back after another? That was the following season. But weren't, didn't it start in a respect the year before? I mean, until 2004, didn't they eventually get to like Sam Brownlee? Sam Brownlee, yeah. But didn't in 2003, weren't there a... Maybe not to the extent of 04. It wasn't, because Fred Russell was basically healthy the whole season. And Jamal Lewis, right? Yeah, Jamal was... Jamal Lewis, yeah. But he Thunder got hurt, Lightning. Yep, he got hurt during that season. Okay. 02, that 1-2 combo that they had oh, with my. those two. Yeah, you're right. It probably started there. It started. It didn't have the airbag nickname that we airbag that we got in 2004. Yeah. Was that the angry? I don't know. Angry Iowa running, running back, back hating God. Airbag. Angry Iowa running back. Yeah, that's what it is. Hating God. You're right. Airbag. I forgot about 2004 the creation, era. but Russell was great that year. Yeah. The offensive line wasn't nearly as good. I mean, you lost outside of gallery. We well, still had gallery, right? But you lost the other components mm-hmm. of that. Still, Russell averaged uh, over four and a half yards per carry, had 1,300 wow. yards. It was Nate Chandler, a completely different quarterback than Brad Banks. Uh-huh. He was faster than Brad Banks, running a 40 time. You know, you know I would have bet a lot of money if that right. wasn't the case, right? It, it wouldn't seem like it could be possibly you would, close. You would, you would win a lot of bets in the bar, I think, if yeah. you put that out there. But Nate Chandler was faster. Now, stay six feet away from the guy you're betting. Yes, right. That, right. That's got to be something. Do it from the other table. you got to <laughs> holler a little bit more when you're making the bar bets. Chandler, good runner, mm-hmm. not a great thrower, mm-hmm. but that wide receiver crew, really good. C.J. Jones, yeah. Mo Brown. Mm-hmm. Mo Brown got hurt that year. It was just, it was a weird season. So let's go through and start off with the opener, Miami oh, of Ohio. Oh, you got some sound. Miami of Ohio comes to town, and uh, well, a name I think most everybody listening should know, Big Ben Roethlisberger for the Red Hawks. Roethlisberger looking for Nancy Lanzo. Do you believe it? Javon Johnson's second pick of the game, a career-high four interceptions for Roethlisberger. 
Roethlisberger. Big Ben's only loss of the season right. in game one against the Hawks in Kinnick Stadium. 21-3, the final there. That was Pam Ward on the call. Pam Ward on I the liked call. Pam Ward. I think I'm the one. You were the one. I think, I believe, I was, boy, she took a lot of criticism. She did. Now, I'm a bigger Beth Moens fan than I am Pam Ward. Pam, Pam Ward was the complete opposite. But, uh, yeah, Pam Ward, ESPN2. That was her home. What did it was 11 the, o'clock deuce games. Whatever happened to her? She doing games I have no anymore? idea. I don't know either. I just kind of disappeared and mm-hmm. never saw her pop she back up. She took a ton of heat. I thought yeah. it was unfair, but and I didn't think she did a bad job. I really didn't. Let's go to the Iowa State-Iowa game. Cy-Hawk rivalry 2003. The clones come in, winners of six consecutive games in this series as they descend into Ames, but... Iowa got it done. It got it done with the special team. Sean Considine making a couple of plays. Achoa is bringing him back. Hinkle is the number one receiver now. Don't Uh-oh. forget. Bad snap. Oh, and it's blocked. <laughs> the guys. Considine blocked it back of the end zone. Will they cover it? Yes. Safety. Oh, no, he's saying touchdown. He says touchdown yep. finally. Yep. At the bottom of the pile. For the Hawkeyes, the touchdown will go to Chris Smith, the defensive back out of Paris, Texas. Considine, though, with the block. 40-21, the final there. Iowa wins their next matchup in a great game in Kinnick Stadium. That was Joel Myers, who I think yeah. should have probably rented an apartment or rented uh, housing. He did so many Cyclone games over in the early... The Fox Sports. Yes. You find it on Fox Sports was, Midwest type games. Or yes. was it... Um, there was something else. Was it the... Oh, my God. The network changed names a million times. The NHL used to play there. Oh, Versus for yes, a while. Yes, yeah. but it was, what else was it other than Versus? Well, the it, Outdoor Channel? Right. That's when they had the uh, biking yep. racing on. But, but Joel Myers and Dave Lapham and Jim Knox. Jim, Jim Knox. Knox. He was the sideline person. That was a Fox game. Okay. A Fox regional game at the very least. Arizona State after that. Iowa defense was dominant 21 to 2. And again, as we talked about at the top, a much different built Iowa team. Mm-hmm. Now, the dirty secret of 2002, the defense wasn't very good. They were optim, optim, they, they made plays. They had a lot of interceptions yeah, that year. They would get good before they graduated. They, they certainly <laughs> would. And Bob Sanders, a big part of that. First loss of the season. Do you remember this game at all? Iowa goes to Michigan State. They're 4 and 0, ranked 13th in the country. And they go into Spartan Stadium and just dunk up the joint. No, I don't remember. Chandler struggled. Brian Ferentz had a couple of bad snaps as the center. And I believe he was hurt in this game or injured in the game. And this is when he got the staph infection. Oh, if, if I my, remember that. If my memory serves, this is kind of all it went down, but had a couple of bad snaps, including one that was recovered by Michigan State. They take their first loss. But my favorite game, certainly of this season, is the next one. 2003, Michigan coming into town. After I would plastered them up in Ann Arbor the year previous, thirty-four to nine, Iowa gets down early. They're down fourteen nothing. This is the loudest I have ever heard mm. Kinnick Stadium. Louder than a couple years ago against Ohio State. The roar throughout. The belief that Iowa was going to come back down two touchdowns. This one was incredible, and a name that oh, I think is going to live in lore for a long time. Ramon Achoa. Play action, Chandler. Going to go to the corner to the end zone to Ochoa. He's got it. Touchdown. Iowa goes up 10 with this one. If there was replay, that's not a touchdown. Is that right? He he had the ball for a millisecond (laughs) as he went down. There is no way they say that that was a touchdown. I was up three at the time. 
Uh, it was 23-20 at this point. It puts them up 10 points, and they hold on And that for voice, the by the way, you now hear at 2.30 on Saturday afternoons yes. on, on, on uh, KCCI. Another one there. Iowa gets it done, gets the victory against Michigan, then goes to the Buckeyes next. Another game, kind of like the Michigan State game, just couldn't generate any offense. They lose 19-10 there. Finish up the season, though, a chance to get to nine regular season wins, but up in Camp Randall against the Badgers. I went to this game. Little story for you. <laughs> Iowa gets down again, as kind of has been the conversation throughout. And we had bought our tickets, me and my buddy. And right before the game, maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes before kickoff. And the tickets we bought were from this older couple that were, I don't know, in the time, probably 50, 60, something like that. We're so relatively young. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> early 20s. We're boozing all day, got some tickets. But we ended up sitting right next to them. It was their four tickets. Okay. And two yep. people couldn't come. So we're sitting there. Wisconsin gets up a couple scores early, and I'm sitting next to the lady of the husband and wife, and she taps me on my knee and says, sure you don't want some of your money back for these tickets? <laughs> well, the conclusion, I'll finish it after the highlight. Iowa's goal line stand to knock off the Badgers. 21 seconds remain. They need the touchdown to tie and the extra point to win. Out of the gun. Evans, your motion man. Throw the swing. Inside the five. See, that's where Stocko, a freshman, he should have thrown that ball away. He should have seen that he could not have scored from there. Five seconds. Three, two. They're going to get it off. The snap. No time on the clock. Stocko throws incomplete. Iowa wins it. And I reach over to the lady, tap her on the knee and say, Sure, you don't want a little more for these tickets? <laughs> nice. She didn't think it was nearly as funny as I did. Iowa wins it, gets it done in a comeback fashion. This is also apparently the game Chandler stunk in the first half. He was like 5 of 16 throwing mm. the ball. Robert Gallery allegedly threw a trash can through the locker room at halftime. Basically told everybody to get, get their uh, stuff in order. And they did come back in the second half and get it done against the Badgers. 9-3, and three, finishing up with an Outback Bowl and Florida that was a fun one. You know, your previous 48,000 Hawkeye fans descending down in Miami wasn't the same number in Tampa, but I've been to a couple of Outback Bowls. This one, it was different than the rest. Was it? It, it, it just, there were a lot more people uh-huh. as opposed to, you know, the 10 to 12 that kind of normally make it now. There had to be over 20,000 that were there for that one. And just the excitement of the program. Chance to play an SEC team, what they had done the previous year. It felt like this program was developing into something that we hadn't seen in Iowa in a long time. That was a party in Tampa. And uh, some pictures showed up after that one, too. Remember that? Uh, no. No. Of? Of, uh, it, it was Pody. No, was that fun. wasn't that year. It wasn't 2003. No, 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 no. I no. could have sworn. No, because I was at that game. Oh, I you was were? In, uh, no, I wasn't at the 2003 game. Oh, okay. I was at the Podolak game. Or the Podolak. Uh, um, what year? No, no, it happened... Oh, God. It wasn't too... Because I was in Tampa, and I wasn't in Tampa for this one. Okay. It was a different Tampa. Yeah, because... How many, how many How many Outback Bowls have they played in? Three? Five? Really? I think so. I've Florida twice, LSU once, South Carolina South Carolina, once. yep, with, uh, with Spurrier. Maybe one more? Yeah, there is one more. There is one more. I don't recall. Anyways. Oh, a couple years ago, Mississippi State. There you go. Absolutely. Five of them. Five Outback Jeez. Bowls. Iowa's it destination. Was, it was the South Carolina... Oh, that was the year. I, I okay. think I'm pretty sure it was the I South was Carolina that one. year. That was a fun one too. It was a fun game. It I was like a Tampa. fun game. Yep. Let's go back. Okay.
Ivor City. What's the area? Um, there was an area. We did our show. There's a big bunch of bars and Hawkeye fans just take over. There's something. Stumps Supper Club. Stumps Supper Club. Huh? Does that ring a bell? Not much rings a bell. Okay, I'm going to Google it. Stump Supper Club, because it's a whole big area. Stump Supper Club. There it is. John Miller did Channel Side. Sh- Channel Side. That's what it is. Channel Side. Permanently yep. closed. Is it really? It's over. Ah, the good old no days. No more stumps. Uh, we will take a timeout. Tom Caker will join the program next. Then Alex Halstead uh, at uh, 11.30. Jeff Lance, Minor League Baseball. Buster Olney, ESPN.com, says... Not going to happen this year. The communications director for all of minor league baseball is Jeff Lance. He was formerly with the Iowa Cubs, uh, spent uh, close to a decade with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he will join us at 1135. KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword BOARD to 200. 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's BOARD to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. And a big thank you again to Roche. Roshan Corporation, presenting sponsor of our great teams in state history. Roshan Corporation, with small space remodels or large-scale projects, they can help you online at RoshanIA.com. All right, we'll come back. We will uh, hear from Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Alex Halstead on on, uh, Iowa State at 1045 as we take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Work today. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Condon Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, just past 1030 on a Friday. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert coming up in 15 minutes. Tom Kakert right now, HawkeyeReport.com. We'll pick Tom's brain on the 2003 uh, Hawkeye season. Tom, before we get to that, I want to, uh, you retweeted this yesterday, and I was probably through three paragraphs when it kicked me out as I'm not a subscriber. So I did get a little tease of the story, but I thought it was really well. Um, it was, a, I thought it was a great point, which is why I bring it up. Which Big Ten football stadium would move, lose the most home field advantage? Uh, boy, it sure seems like Kinnick would be very high on that list. I don't have to tell anybody in the listening audience seemingly what home field at Kinnick, particularly at night, has meant over the years. And if there is no home field advantage per se, I think David Jones made a good point. Yeah, it is a great point. I think if you talk to the people out in Vegas, uh, they will tell you that Iowa's home field advantage is among the highest in the Big Ten, um, just in terms of how that how it affects the point spread and right, like five and a half, uh, six, you know, five, five and a half, six. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's it's way above kind of the norm of like a three, right? Or you know, like at Illinois or Rutgers, which is like a zero. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, uh, um, it's it's a huge advantage, and and you have to wonder how that's going to impact things. Um, you know, kind of. Uh, this fall, because uh, you know, I don't think there's uh, nobody uh, that I've ever I've talked to believes that there's going to be seventy thousand right. fans at Kinnick Stadium in September. Uh, will there be any fans? I don't know, but um, you know, I, I think uh, 
it's really, really, really unrealistic to think 70K are going to be sitting sitting at Kinnick in September. little trivia question, because I know you like to dabble in the sports wagering. Kenny White Sports told me this 10 years ago. He was the, the preeminent book line maker back in the 80s and 90s. He set the lines for all the big properties in Nevada. Do you know the two highest home field advantage point spreads are? I, I don't think you'll get it. In college football? Boy, I don't know. Um, West Virginia? No. I'm just looking, thinking of some oddball ones. We'll keep going because they're, they're, they're oddball. The Blue Turf at Boise mm-hmm. is the second highest. Wow. Hawaii. Oh. Hawaii oh, is the well, biggest yeah, difference. The travel, too. The travel, yeah. and you get there, and you're in paradise, and yeah, that's the football's one thing. <laughs> you got to deal with the refs, too, as Iowa find out, found out in 1988. A different set of referees yeah. out there on the islands. Uh, we're talking about 30 years ago. But Hawaii and Boise State are the two biggest home field events. Got to make sense. Yeah. Hey, Tom, uh, to the here and now. And with it, uh, football coming up, you mentioned 70,000 people in Kinnick. That's the likelihood of that is incredibly slim. The NCAA has seemed very hands-off. Maybe it shouldn't come as a surprise, but is this just going to be left up to the commissioners of each of the conferences? We'll figure it out on our own in the NCAA really is going to have no input? Yeah, it just seems like they're mm-hmm. just going to, um, they don't want any part of the decision-making. So, and that doesn't surprise you, um, uh-uh. you know. And I, I've kind of wondered privately if this will be the point where the Power Five conferences just say, you know what, let's just ding, do ding, ding. thing. And, yep. Yeah, we're done. We're done with you, uh, NCAA folks, uh, because it's just a, a ship without a captain, really. I mean, Mark Emmert is a figurehead, and uh, but he just doesn't. The college football, college sports, Jay Billis has said this, I think, a zillion times. They need some sort of czar that's going to kind of oversee everything and kind of lead things, and and they don't have that in Emmert. It's a, the NCAA is kind of a toothless organization at this point. So, um, you know, they're trying to do things, but it just, I just kind of see this as maybe the the moment when the Power Five is just going to say we're just we're going to do our own thing now, and and you're seeing all the Power Five leagues now, and everybody's moving towards once somebody jumps on, yeah, June first we're coming back mm-hmm. uh, to get kids back on campus. Everybody's going to do it within a couple of weeks. Well, that's, Bob, that's how it's going to work. I, I'm with you, Tom, and, and look, a lot of I mean, Bob Bowlesby's come not full circle, but he's done a 180. I mean, he he was the one, yeah. maybe one of the first that said, you yeah, know, no, 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 no students, no football, we can't do it. And then this morning on Chip Brown's show, he said we're going to have to find a way to coexist with the disease. It's going to be very expensive to disinfect and make games situations as safe as possible. But but he realizes just how much football means to athletic budgets. They're going to do their damnedest. And part of that, Tom, or one of those, I guess, um, ways that they may do it would be conference games only. We're hearing so many things out there, but this one seems to be gaining some traction. That if they have to, you know, uh, give up a couple of games and start maybe a little bit later than normal, would conference games only make sense to you? Yeah, I, I think that might be uh, what happens. Or you, you know, say like. Oregon and Ohio State were supposed to play this year, and it was supposed to be out in Eugene. And maybe now instead, um, Ohio State, uh, you know, hosts uh, Miami of Ohio or Cincinnati yep. or something, you know, yep. so a regional game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're going to do a non-con game, um, you know, it, it makes sense. Iowa and Iowa State are close. They could continue to play that game maybe as a, like a tune-up game or something before you go into 
conference games just because they're close. And I, I could see that. And here's the other thing, and you guys will probably discuss this. I know that the Big Ten uh, people I've talked to you know, that are close with the conference have told me that there's there's uh, you know some stuff out there about what if a couple of teams can't go? What if a couple of schools, Rutgers, for example, mm-hmm. couldn't go? Um, you know, they're just not. New Jersey's not ready, and they're not able to do things. Uh, they're going to go ahead. If they're if James Franklin's talked about this. If if uh, you know ten of the Big Ten teams are ready to go, those ten teams are going to play. That's how it's going to go. It certainly makes a lot of sense, and it's just it's different for everybody depending on where you are in the country. Tom Caker joining us, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, uh, from there, jumping into a little bit of basketball, the date for people that have uh, put their name in for the NBA draft, that was pushed back. What does that mean, if anything, for Luca Garza? Um, it just means he's got more time. Uh, I don't think it's going to change his decision because I'm just not sure the NBA is going to really do much of a workout. Maybe they'll put together a little combine in a, um, you know, kind of a safe setting, uh, you know, like down in Orlando at like the milk house, which has a, a big gym and everything that they could, and you could, you know, house all the prospects on the Disney property there and, and, and keep them safe and, uh, able to do a, a combine, but I just don't see guys jetting around to Oklahoma City or uh, Salt Lake City or wherever uh, in Dallas to to do work, individual workouts at uh, team facilities. I just I don't see that happening um, at all. Um, it's one thing bringing your own team in, and you can kind of regulate those guys. I just don't see them bringing in players for those individual workouts. And I I just suspect Luke is going to be back and. Yeah, because uh, he's not going to get the situation that he has explicitly said he wants from the NBA. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, Tom. What is the uh, what, if anything, does this do to calendar wise as far as pushing back the recruiting dead period? Does does that mean that everything that there'll be no decision on anything? Um, you know, I'm guessing that even though it's a recruiting dead period, doesn't mean that the uh, the decision makers can't get together and say, you know, that we're go- we're going to start football practice uh, on august 1st or fall camp on august 1st what does the uh uh the pushback of the uh recruiting dead period mean by the ncaa if anything yeah it just it just means you know for iowa they were set to have the june 19th weekend have that big recruiting weekend and now they can't have it and uh, we don't know uh you know when are you know, we just talked about nba guys going into uh for workouts and boy it's hard to see that happening can you see campus visits for kids? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. You know, uh, that's that's going to be another hurdle that they're going to have to uh, climb and figure out how they're going to do that and if they can do that uh, safely for the kids and for um, the, the football staffs. Um, you know, how I just don't know how you do it. But um, they're going to push that back. I wonder if they're going to just do away with the December signing period and mm. uh, just do something in February this year just because everything is going to get pushed back. Uh, it's just uh, it, it's the recruiting side of things is just so uncertain right now because you can't get kids on campus and your interactions are just over Zoom or phone calls. 
Tom Caker uh, joining us here. Tom, before we let you go, want to look back today. Our great team in state history presented by Roshan Corporation is the 2003 Iowa football team on the heels of the Orange Bowl year. An Outback Bowl victory, a January 1st Bowl victory. First time since the 50s for the Hawkeyes. Your memories of 2003. Well, yeah, I saw you guys were doing this, so I jotted down some things. Um <laughs> You know, the Big Ben game to open yeah. the season with, uh, with Roethlisberger. Uh, remember all the hype around that yeah. game and how they kind of throttled him. I'll tell you, and I was talking to Abdul Hodge the other day uh, for our Hawkeye Conversation Series, and, and I'm going to put that up probably this weekend. Um, just how big that, that 03 Iowa State game was for Iowa because Iowa had lost five straight in that series, and that game was in Ames, and there was just that cloud over Kirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did great in 02, but you still haven't beat Iowa State. And they finally got that done. I remember uh, Considine having a block punt in that game, just some huge special teams plays. Um, the Michigan State game, the thing I'll always remember about that game is it was just monstrously windy that day. And, and Kirk, instead of taking the ball, he decided to kick and play with the wind. Oh, and that's, right. that's one of those games where he regrets the decision. He said that to us in the past. Mm. To, you know, taking the wind, and I remember, um, you know, them just having trouble with that wind all game long. Kading had the fake field goal in the Ohio State game. That was her only points of the game. And I remember uh, true freshman Mike Jones getting thrown in there to start at the horseshoe for the <laughs> first Jones. time, uh, and that was kind of a big deal. The the Wisconsin game, that's the gallery trash can game where he got uh, ticked off at halftime and threw a trash can into the wall, and it basically, from uh, what I was told, disintegrated into the wall is what I was told. And he just basically said, I'm not bleeping leaving here without a win to everybody at halftime. And they rallied and Considine again, big play, the goal line knocks down a pass. And I was off to the Outback Bowl and the Outback Bowl game. The fun thing about that, that's the Ron Zook thought Nate Kading was a running back. Mm, yes. Um, Chris, uh, Chris Lee, Lake, yeah. um, you know, uh, first uh, their first series, he hits a bomb, and then after that, it's all Iowa that game. And um, and I was so happy for Nate Chandler just because he took so much heat because he wasn't Brad Banks and got that moment for him. And uh, Matt Malloy, big clump block in that game that uh, kind of spurred things on too. So a lot of good memories of that group, uh, good group of guys and uh, a fun team to cover. Good stuff, Tom Caker. We'll talk to you in a week. Thank you. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. All right, time out from the Hawks to the Clones. Alex Halstead next. Miller and Condon till noon. Governor Kim Reynolds at 11 o'clock. 1460 KXNO and 106. Miller and Condon, let's get right into it. From the Hawks to the Clones, Alex Halstead, 247sports.com, Cyclone Alert. He joins the program. Alex, Trent, and Ken, why don't you uh, go behind your paywall if you'll allow us to. You wrote a piece earlier in the week on Iowa State and the tentative plan in conjunction with the NCAA as to what fall camp uh, might look like, Alex. First of all, as always, thank you for coming on. And what does that uh, fall camp potentially look like? Yeah, I guess, you know, the, the initial thing is that, you know, what I had heard is right now that Iowa State is, has a tentative plan of potentially bringing back players um, on or around May 31st. That's when the Big 12, um, you know, I guess it's been a dead period for recruiting, but which has been extended now from the NCAA. But that's when they're, you know, the Big 12 is like kind of practice being 
is supposed to be lifted right now. now that may still get extended, but um, there's been some tentative talks, and I think there's been some communication with families that you know players could return as soon as May 31st to campus. And uh, some players have already returned. I mean, I think there's a tweet out there, Brock Purdy uh, headed back, and there's different players who are already on campus, but I think that's when maybe the full team could be back. And then in terms of uh, fall camp, I know we've had a lot of discussions about this through the spring, and I think a lot of it's still tentative, but one of the things I'd heard is that one of the uh, ideas that's at least been floated around is that fall camp could potentially begin a few weeks earlier and begin more around, say, July 20th and be a six-week fall camp leading up to the season uh, in the season opener right now is obviously September 5th, if that all holds. So uh, it sounds like you know, the NCAA is at least bouncing around some ideas that you know, fall camp could be a few weeks longer, allow some more practices and uh, of course, all this is tentative because we know how quickly things can change. Good point. You know, uh, Alex, it's different for everybody out there. Some programs, though, boy, it's got to be difficult for Iowa State. I was just thinking about Dave Andrews, who comes in this spring as the new strength yeah. and conditioning coach, a guy trying to implement his program. It's going to be a change regardless of the system, even the head coach and the rest of the coaching staff staying the same. How difficult it's got to be for Dave Andrews. Have you been able to hear anything of what he's trying to do to to help these guys out and get them some workouts wherever they may be? Yeah, there, there were some pros and cons to, to you know the timing of this. One of the pros is that Matt Campbell had made the decision uh, to push back spring ball till after spring break uh, because he wanted to give Dave Andrews more time um, with these players. And, and because of the timing of when all this kind of happened and started, they'd gotten through most of that winter workout program. So he had gotten a few extra weeks. Um, but I guess the con is that um, you know he's missing a lot of time to kind of get acclimated into his program. And so um, it sounds like I think they've been sending uh, different workouts uh, to players, which isn't obviously the most ideal um, situation. But I think the hope is that, you know, they can get them back and, maybe the beginning of June and kind of at least begin getting back to some semblance of a, of a workout program. But I guess that was kind of the pro and con is Iowa State didn't get any spring practices because they pushed spring ball back, but they did get through most of Dave Andrews' uh, off-season workout program. I know that uh, the Jamie Pollard and, and the Cyclones, they do the, the Cyclone tailgate tour, although obviously that's not going to take place uh, in the form that we've seen it over the last few years. I guess they're going to do something online here uh, in, in the weeks to come. Have you heard anything... Maybe not, I know you cover Iowa State, but maybe from other Big 12 schools as all as, as when they will, and, and maybe there is no drop dead deadline to do this. When will they will, uh, share their plan as far as fans with the fan base in, in their building? I know that they're, you know, they're pushing back season ticket deadlines and they, they have to do that. But when do you think they'll know as to what stadium capacities around the Big 12 will look like? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's it's probably one that maybe, you know, just kind of taking a guess, probably if more later into the summer and, and closer to the season. You know, we we already know the Big 12 is, I think, the first major conference to um, go virtual for um, media days, and so they won't have those in Dallas. They'll all be virtual, and I know some other conferences have done it, but I think the Big 12 is the first Power 5 school or a Power 5 conference to make that decision. Obviously, that's a little different. I mean, you have big crowds there. You have uh, hundreds, if not thousands of, uh, people involved in that, but um, but that's not quite you know talking sixty five thousand people at a stadium, and so that's going to be interesting to see uh, as things get closer, and you know maybe it, it, it will be interesting because um, not just with the Big Twelve but other conferences, it, it might be a state by state thing, and mm-hmm. so that's what's kind of makes all this so complicated. Is different states are going to have um, different kind of regulations, and obviously we're starting to see that 
with pe- people wondering what what these California closures for the fall will do to college football. But, you know, if other states are open, it's going to be interesting to see all that plays out. And I'm guessing the behind-the-scenes, Mike Green and his staff, I mean, will you guys uh... – Campbell's uh, press conference is now Tuesdays, right? It was always Monday, and I think he switched to Tuesday. But regardless of the day, do you think you'll be in person, or will this be some type of, you know, Zoom type of situation? And then I know that you get the coordinators. Iowa State gives you them on a weekly basis. You get good player access on a weekly basis. Do you think those things will be there this year? Yeah, that's what's going to be interesting to see how much this changes, not even just for now, but you know how much it kind of changes media uh, going Going forward, I think, you know, I just actually saw a Scott Van Pelt thing from, I think it was last night, and he talked about how how much it's just become more casual to do these player interviews. You just go through SIDs and agents and stuff and all that, and um, I think you probably still do that to an extent. But, uh, you know, they're just having these players and former players and coaches zoom in to Sports Center, and, you know, you would never see that. You'd have them in the studio or kind of with a professional camera set up and all that, and I think it's already kind of changed. And you wonder how much more access kind of changes through the ability to do things like that. And, uh, you know, I obviously still ideal to be in person. I think it's, a, it's, it's quite a bit different, but I think there's a lot of different ways to do things. And so you've seen schools, you know, through the spring um, have their coaches on Zoom calls. And I've seen people from around the country who cover different teams, you know, Boise State, uh, um, I think Kansas and Kansas State and, you know, whoever, whoever I follow that covers other teams, you know, they're doing Zoom calls and, and teleconference um, calls with, with media members. So it's going to be interesting to see how much this changes in the near term because of what's going on, but how much it changes kind of how schools and, and I guess, teams approach things going forward with the media. Minute left with you, Alex Halstead, joining us, CycloneAlert.com. Recruiting uh, has slowed down at least a little bit in terms of commitments. Haven't heard in Iowa State uh, for the 2021 class in a couple of weeks. You expect some news here coming before we get into summertime. Where are they at with the 12 guys currently committed? Yeah, so they've got a kind of a good base and a good foundation laid because they've got 12, but there's some guys that they wanted to kind of close in on in June, and it's going to be interesting to see how that changes because this dead period's been extended. And so these visits that they had out, had scheduled for the second and third weekends of June with guys like TJ Bowlers and Jalen Noel and, and guys like that, those aren't going to be able to happen in June. So does TJ Bowlers make a decision between, say, Iowa State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, as other people, um, or does he wait in this extensive timeline? That's what's going to be most interesting. I think the one guy to potentially watch here coming up is Jalen Noel. Um, he's between Iowa State and Nebraska, and what he had told me was that if – his official visits in June got canceled, which now they're going to be because of this extended dead period that he would potentially just decide in May because he's already been to both schools twice. So Jalen Noel, a receiver from Kansas city, uh, Iowa state really wants him. Nebraska really wants him. Um, and so that one could end here in May. And other than that, it's going to be interesting to see how this dead period affects other timelines. 15 seconds, anything from Prom's program? Not right now. I mean, that recruiting is still pretty slow. And so, um, I, I just don't know what's going to be kind of the next domino to fall, but they're, they're still kind of just waiting and being patient with some different guys, it seems like. Alex, thank you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, Alex Halstead. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Governor Kim Reynolds, she's scheduled for her press conference, her daily at 11 o'clock. We'll carry it. Jeff Lance on minor league baseball. What's going to happen to the minor leagues this year? Uh, we will uh, talk about that at 1130. We're here till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.